Good morning. Welcome to East LJ Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. And I'm looking out. I see some new faces. And uh, we're just so glad to have you if you're joining us for the first time today. We want you to know here at East LJ Baptist, we have been captivated by Christ. We have seen through the gospel the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have seen in Jesus God's mercy and grace and love poured out on us through the perfect life, sin atoning death, and victorious resurrection of the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. And we've been captivated by Him. There is no one like our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen? We pray that as you're here today that you would see His beauty. That's why we exist, is to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to our world. And we want you to see His beauty today. And we want you to leave here, even as we are, captivated by Him. I want to uh, thank... Uh, David and Krista MacArthur this morning, we have kept them busy in the baptism ministry the last couple weeks, and we'll be keeping them busy in the, in the next few weeks as well. So we're thankful for God's saving power in the lives of several in, the, in recent days, and uh, we appreciate David and Krista's ministry and helping us with the baptismal pool and Bibles and certificates and so forth just to uh, encourage and welcome um, our new brothers and sisters in Christ. Would you stand with me as we read from God's Word this morning? This will not be our text for this morning, but it will be related to where we'll be uh, looking in Luke's Gospel a little bit later on. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. But those who desire to be rich fall into into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What a strong warning. What an encouraging word of how we should live. We're going to be looking this morning at the sad and tragic account of Judas, and for the love of money, he betrayed his Lord. May we be, even as Paul exhorts Timothy, running from these things, pursuing constant and never-ending faith in the Lord Jesus, love for one another, love for God, and the purity that comes as we fight that good fight of faith. May we ever take hold of the eternal life, the the personal relationship with Jesus that we have that is forever. Uh, May we be running hard and taking hold of that day after day. Aren't you thankful that you know the truth of the gospel? Amen. So many around us don't. You have neighbors, friends, co-workers, family members that need Jesus, and we need to be faithful witnesses to them. So we want to pray for our neighbors. We also want to pray for the nations, and this morning... I want to pray for a people group that I'm going to have a really hard time pronouncing. 
the Menang Kabau of Indonesia. This is a people group of 6,955,000 people. And among that people group, there's only 0.02% Christians, and that is about 1,391 believers out of 6.9 million. Um, so we're going to pray that God would uh, just make his word run there among this people group in Indonesia. Pray with me as we pray for your neighbors and the nations and also for several that uh, are close, close to or part of our church family this morning as well. Father, thank you for the eternal life that you have given us in Jesus Christ and that we can lay hold of that and enjoy the blessings of it day after day after day. God, give us quick feet to run from the love of money. And God, may we learn ever more about that this morning. May you expose our hearts as your people and as your professing, at least professing people this morning by the word that we'll consider a little bit later. Lord, how I pray for those around us, our neighbors who don't know Jesus. Father, I pray for those on my own heart right now that I am thinking of by name, people I know and see regularly that need Christ. God, I pray you would make me bold and full of compassion, moved with love to speak the truth of the gospel to them. And I pray the same for each of us here. We pray you would open hearts and save our neighbors. Lord, we pray for this people group in Indonesia. I thank you that you know exactly who each one of the 6,955,000 of them are. You see their hearts. That's who you are, oh God. And I pray for our few brothers and sisters there that you would empower them and supernaturally work through them and make your word, the gospel of Christ, run in their midst and save many today. God, as we gather here to worship, we pray for our brothers and sisters and uh, friends and, and relatives nearby, our church family who need your healing touch. We pray for Ruth Jones. Father, thank you that she came through the hip replacement surgery well and uh, that last report was still was, was doing very well in recovery. Pray for her. We pray for her son Chris as he underwent uh, chemo treatment this week. We pray that you would strengthen him. Father, we praise you for answered prayer for Billy Duncan, but we do pray for your ongoing healing and strength there as he battles cancer. Father, we, we uh, lift up Eva Harp. We pray that you would continue to strengthen her. We pray for Tina Newton and for Keith and the family as they care for her and as she uh, begins treatments and, and, various, and various things there. Lord, today we pray for Anthony Mullinax, Larry's brother who's in the hospital, and we pray for strength and healing uh, from all the different issues he's been dealing with lately. Continue to pray for Shirley Waters. And this morning, Lord, we want to lift up uh, especially Virginia Holder and McClendon's mother who was in the hospital um, yesterday and is, uh, has been brought home or being brought home this morning. We pray, God, that you would strengthen and, and, and bring healing to her and give Anne all the grace she needs as she cares for her. Father, we thank you that you see and know all these needs. You know the needs of every heart in this room. And Father, we know that it is no accident that we are in this moment, at this place, all together today. You have a purpose in this hour, and we pray that we would hear from you. 
Spirit of God, that you would speak through your written word into our hearts and that you would transform us into the likeness of Christ. I pray, God, that today someone would come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior for the first time. God, that you would resurrect one soul today, God, or more from the deadness of sin. God, we've all been there, and we are. if we know you today, it's only because you raised the dead, and we praise you. So do it again, we ask today. God, may you be exalted. May Christ be lifted high in this place, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take just a moment and greet those nearby you. Just turn around. If you see somebody you don't know, introduce yourself. Make one another feel welcome, and we'll enter into worship in just a moment. Good morning again. If you'll make your way back to your seats, then we'll sing uh, Blessed Be Your Name.
Y'all sing with Leslie as she leads us in gracefully broken.
Father, how we thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being gracefully broken before you. Lord, it's truly the only way to know you, to follow you. It's today by day, say as we sang, I surrender, here I am with arms wide open. We are bankrupt apart from Christ. But in Him, day by day, we have all that we need for life and godliness. We have the indwelling presence and power of your Spirit. And yet still, apart from you, Lord Jesus, we can do nothing. Thank you for your grace. And thank you that living, surrendered, even as Paul would say, boasting daily in our weakness, that your strength might be made perfect in our weakness. Thank you that it's the only way to live. At least the only way to live that can bear much fruit. To the honor and glory of the one who died for us. And Lord, may we be more surrendered even this day. We praise you for your word and we ask now that you would be our teacher. God, we need you in these moments. We need your spirit. 
to work and move among us as we open the word of the living God. And may we hear your word as it is indeed the word of God. And by it, may you change us. May you save some. And may you change into never-increasing likeness your people into the glory of your beloved Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. We will be dismissed to Children's Church. And as they're making their way to Children's Church, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 this morning. We'll be looking at various verses throughout uh, chapter 22 in just a few moments. But there's a story that is told, and it's admittedly questionably attributed to Winston Churchill. So we're not sure if this is an actual Churchill story or not. But the story goes that Churchill was trying to make a point about why England should never compromise with evil. He was making the case for, um, as I understand it, for England to enter... um, the World War II there, and it's never compromised with evil, but to stand up against evil. And there was a news report, a paper reporter, who told him that he was an extremist and a warmonger, just looking for a fight. Again, his point was, we can't compromise with evil, we've got to take a stand against evil. And so, Churchill looks at this woman and says, ma'am... If a king offered you 100 million pounds to sleep with him, would you do it? She thought for a moment, and she said, yes. He then asked, would you sleep with me for 50 pounds? She said, Mr. Churchill, I'm not a prostitute. He replied, with all due respect, ma'am, We've already established what your identity was. I just wanted to know your price. Now, even if this wasn't a conversation Churchill actually had, the point is, in fact, well made. Most of the time, we have a price. Even when we don't realize we have a price for which we'll sell out. And a price, whatever it is, is a price. So it was with Judas. Luke chapter 22, verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. Now you remember we've been about Wednesday for a while. We 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 lived a long Wednesday over several weeks of time here. Um, now we're approaching the Sabbath, that Saturday, which would have been the Passover day. And the chief priest and the scribes were seeking how to put Jesus to death. Listen, for they feared the people. They had a problem. They wanted him dead, 
But they had to be careful lest a riot break out. He had become so popular and, and so well thought of in, in his teaching and his healing and his ministry. So here in this last couple of days of his life, the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death. And it was at that time, verse 3 says, that then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him, Jesus, to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. They were just talking about how to get rid of Jesus carefully. And in walks Judas, as if it was scripted. Right on time. And they were glad and, and they made a deal. Now, I want to just, before we get into the heart of this thing this morning, I want to just go ahead and deal with a couple things. Number, verse 3 there, Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot. Two Gospels tell us that Satan entered into Judas, and so it's clear Satan entered into Judas at this point and was directly involved in this betrayal. However, Satan doesn't enter into anyone who is not open to him, his, his presence. You see, Judas was not a robot of Satan. He was already willingly moving in the direction in which Satan took him and, and finalized the whole action. More on that whole deal Wednesday night. We we're not going to go much deeper there. On the other hand of this betrayal that we're about to look at, is the sovereign hand of God who, even in Scripture, foretold that it would happen. Spelled out, there would be one who would betray the Lord Jesus. Again, for more on that side of things, I'll see you Wednesday night. But for today, we want to focus on what is clear and real in this passage, and that is not, not just Satan entering into Judas, but Judas who in another place Jesus called a devil, willfully making a deal to betray Jesus. Verse 5, and they were glad and agreed to give him money. Matthew tells us that it was 30 pieces of silver, which in today's currency would be roughly $7,500. Remember that number, $7,500. Verse 6, so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of of a crowd. Skipping down to verse 21 of this chapter, but behold, the hand of him, Jesus said, as they're sitting there now in this context at the Last Supper, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table, for the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, that is, sovereignly by God, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. I'll just stop and say this. God is sovereign over Judas' betrayal, and yet Judas is responsible before a holy God and accountable for his sin in the doing. And they began to question one another, which of them could it be who was going to do this? Verse 47 of this chapter. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas... One of the twelve was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? 
The title of the message this morning is, What's Your Price? Here is part of the take-home truth. I'm going to give you the full take-home truth at the very end today. But part of the take-home truth is this. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we all have a price for which we will betray Jesus. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. First thing I want you to notice in this, from this text this morning is this. We're all Judas. Aren't you glad you showed up to East LJ Baptist Church this morning to get called Judas by Jesus and the preacher? We're all Judas. Okay, I'm real clear. There was only one Judas. There was only one man in history who actually, in history, sold Jesus out for money to be crucified, and his name was Judas Iscariot. I've got that. But the point is that we would all this morning see our own hearts through the lens of Judas' betrayal. Jesus even said in Matthew 26, Matthew's account of the same story and same time frame, in Matthew 26, 31, Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered again. Even the falling away of all 12 disciples was prophesied. And yet they were going to be accountable for that. They would all fall away. Every one of them would leave Jesus there in the garden along with Judas and all the soldiers and they would run. In Mark's gospel we read of a young man who left his cloak in one of their hands and ran off naked. We believe that to be the author of the gospel of Mark, Mark himself. The next verse in Matthew 26 records Peter saying, Lord, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. We read that verse just in case in any of our hearts the stirrings would be, I would never betray, deny, walk away from Jesus. Jesus tells Peter, actually, Peter, you're going to do worse than that. You're going to do worse than run. You're going to deny me that you even know me at all. And you're going to do it three times in a row, all before tomorrow morning. You see, we're all capable of the actions of Judas. Well, why did Judas betray Jesus? Why did Jesus betray Jesus? Okay, we've already referred to a couple of those deeper, more complicated reasons. We'll take those up Wednesday night. But what is plain in what we know about Judas from Scripture is this. The reasons we all betray Jesus is because like Jesus, first of all, we want a Savior who will reward our supposed righteousness because we're blind to our sin and we think we're better than most. You remember when the sinful woman anointed Jesus' feet? There's a couple different times that happened. And based on what we know from Scripture about the, 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 the perfume she used, it was probably worth about $10,000. Remember when I told you you remember $7,500? Judas betrayed Jesus for $7,500. 
And he got real uptight, but he got real uptight when a woman worshipped Jesus with $10,000. We want a Savior who will reward our righteousness, like Judas, because we're blind to our own sin and we think we're better than most. This is the tendency of all of our hearts. Was it Peter, right? What did Peter say? Lord, hey, you got it all. Yes, yes. The other ten, yes. The other eleven, yes. But Lord, not me. Not me. The reasons we all betray Jesus are because, like Judas, we want a Savior who will reward our righteousness because we, we're blind to our own sin and we think we're better than most. But secondly, and kind of the main, main reason, I believe, is we want a Savior who makes our lives easier by giving us power and money. And you see, Jesus had done neither of those for Judas. So he was done. Jesus was not going to overthrow Rome. That had become fairly clear even to Judas. It wasn't going to be like he thought it was going to be. He thought they were going to take over Israel and, and, and establish the kingdom and, and run Rome out. And he was going to be right there in the middle of that in power with Jesus. But it was becoming more and more clear it wasn't going to happen. And he didn't, he could tell he wasn't, I mean, they, they never had a place to stay even. It became pretty clear he wasn't going to get rich with this guy. This preacher was not the prosperity preacher he initially thought. He wasn't going to bless him in all the ways that Judas had hoped he would. You see, the reality is that the root of the majority of our betrayals, our denials, our falling away from Jesus, the root of the majority of those is the love of money and the power that comes with it and the deception about our relative goodness that follows. That's why we read from 1 Timothy 6 at the beginning of the service this morning. Remember what Paul said there in 1 Timothy 6, verse 9? But those who desire to be rich... By the way, as I'm reading these verses, thank Judas. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Can you not hear Ju Judas in that description? Marshall Seagal said, If you love money, value money, and what it can buy you above all else, you cannot love God. You will hate him. Maybe quietly or privately and hypocritically, but you will hate him. And that hatred will mark you and follow you everywhere. That kind of divine rejection and betrayal renames a person. It defines you. Look at how Judas is talked about in the Gospels. And then let me just run through several, several scripture verses. You don't need to turn. Just listen. As he was des describing, uh, as, as Jesus here is, is, or as Matthew here is naming the disciples, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. In Matthew 26, verse 25, Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? 
He said to him, you have said so. In Mark 3, verse 19, again, where the initial listing of the disciples is being given, the, right after the, first, after the 12 had been called, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Luke 6, 16, same thing. Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. John 12, verse 4, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said... And then John 6, verse 70, verses 70 and 71, Jesus speaking said, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And John 18, verse 5, it says, Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. That is the account there in the garden. That's how he's described even there. Once that betrayal happened, Judas is never mentioned without that, that assignment of betrayal. You see, it is as Randy Alcorn says, Satan works on the assumption that every person has a price. Often, unfortunately, he's right. Many people are willing to surrender themselves and their principles to whatever God will bring them the greatest short-term profit. And you see, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we all have a price for which we'll betray Jesus. Luke 12, verse 15, there Jesus exhorts us, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Someone said, when life begins to seem like one long mission to make more money, somebody's lying to you, and you believe the lie. Wake up and give back the silver before it hangs you. It causes you to turn traitor on Jesus. And then Marshall Seagal says this, ask yourself what Judas would do in your situation? You know, you've seen the bracelets. What would Jesus do? Well, here's, here's, a, here's a flip on that. What would Judas do? Because the idea being whatever Judas would do is the thing you don't want to do. We'll see it in a minute. Judas ends up dead by self-hanging. How would Judas feel about your current income, your shopping habits, and retirement savings? How uneasy would Judas be about your generosity? How does your budget begin to look like his just 2,000 years later? You see, here's the serious question. Could we, me and you, could we be on the verge of turning traitor to Jesus today? Because we're in love with money. We're treasuring money and what it can give us in this life. The power, the control... More than we treasure Jesus himself and all that he has done for us and all that he is to us and all that he will forever be for us. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 10, again, it is through this craving for money that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It happened to Judas. 
First, he experienced the deep shame and the pain and the agony of rejecting Jesus. But don't miss this. Further, his love of money, listen to me, it killed him. Matthew 27, verse 3. Then when Judas, his betrayer, there it is again, saw that Jesus was condemned, that the sentence was pronounced, crucify him. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, being the spiritual leaders that they were, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he, Judas, departed, and he went and hanged himself. He couldn't live with the fruit of the love of money in his life. You see, we foolishly underestimate on a regular basis just how far into the depths of darkness the love of money can take us. We really don't believe the word of God that we've read this morning that it is the root, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And that it is a trap that brings self-destructive desires that plunge us headlong into the pit of destruction. And so we keep playing with it. We keep coddling it. Listen, it is the the, the baptized sin among American evangelicals. Nobody's going to say anything about your materialism. Nobody's going to call you out on your love of money. So we keep stroking it. We coddle the desires. The whole world around us encourages us to fan into flame, little realizing that it is a fire indeed that we cannot control and that will consume and destroy us. When you think of Judas, as soon as I say the name Judas Iscariot, what kind of person comes to mind? Sleazeball. Slimy. I mean, just, I mean, just whatever negative you can think of that person, it, it, that's what comes to mind when you think about Judas, right? But you need to remember something. I need, I need to be reminded regularly. Nobody knew it was Judas. It wasn't like he was. I was obvious. Well, Lord, you say somebody at this table is going to deny. Well, that's clear. It's got to be money-loving Judas over here. Just look at him. Love money's rude of all sorts of things. I mean, just his, maybe we don't see it all. We just got to know, man. It's not what happened. Nobody knew it was Judas that Jesus was talking about when he said one of them would betray him. In fact, they had all apparently agreed together that Judas would handle their collective funds. He was the treasurer of the group. He was trustworthy. You see, he wasn't always a slimy character in the minds of the twelve until he betrayed Jesus because underneath a respectable appearance and lifestyle and perception and reputation was the love of money eating his soul, burning him alive. 
I want you to see one more thing about Jesus and Judas. Jesus offered grace to Judas. Jesus extended mercy to Judas right up to the end. Knowing that Judas would betray him. You remember at the last supper there in John's gospel, I believe it is. Jesus had nonetheless washed Judas' feet. Along with Peter's and all the rest. He knew Peter would deny him and he knew Judas would betray him. And yet he still knelt and served Judas by washing his feet. But further, Jesus had extended a special invitation to repentance to Judas. That's found in Matthew 26, verses 23 to 25. The question has just been asked. They had all been asking it. Is it I, Lord? Jesus said, one of y'all is going to betray me. They're like, is it me? And the Greek language really communicates... They weren't just saying that. They were, they were like legitimately asking, Lord, is it me? Kind of like this. It's not me. <laughs> Jesus, is it? <laughs> and Jesus answers in verse 23 and says, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And that's a sobering statement. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? It's Matthew looking back on this whole thing and seeing what he didn't see in the moment. He said to him, You have said it was so. Now over in John 13, same moment in the encounter there at the Lord's table, the Last Supper, John 13, verse 26. Jesus answered, same question. Who is it? It is he, listen, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he'd taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, listen, here it is. This is what I just told you about a minute ago. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money back, he was telling Jesus, or Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was nice, night. J.D. Greer, based on what scholars tell us, says this. Before Judas left the meal, Jesus had offered him a portion of the Passover bread. The point at which Jesus dipped the bread into the bowl was a moment in the feast called the Korek. You dip the bread into a sauce made of bitter herbs, and that symbolized the bitterness of sin and slavery and offered the offer of, to us of delivery from it. But here's the kicker. Jewish tradition was that the host would offer the bread dipped in the bitter herbs to someone in the room that he knew well and loved deeply. It was an honor to receive the correct. The host was saying, you are special to me. My heart is open to you. Jesus hands that piece. He gives that offer to Judas. It was one last invitation, and yet Judas rejected it. 
Judas' love of money moved him to sell out Jesus. And then Satan took a hold of him and destroyed him. You see, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we all have a price for which we'll betray Jesus. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet, here's the rest of the truth I want you to catch today. And yet Jesus still died to redeem all betrayers, all deniers, all followers who will repent and turn to him. He was betrayed for us that we may never be rejected by God. Remember what Jesus said from the cross? Luke 23, we'll see it in a couple weeks. Luke 23, verse 34. What did he say? What was his prayer from the cross? Father, as he looked down on these people who had just hung him on the cross, he looks at them and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Man, that is the heart of Jesus for you. That is the heart of Jesus for me. Even still today. I believe in a way that I can't put together in all, with, with, with everything in my head. I believe that was Jesus' heart toward Judas in the moment that he extended the correct piece of bread to him. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we all have a price for which we'll betray Jesus. And yet Jesus still died to redeem all betrayers, all deniers, all who walk away from him, turn away from him, who will repent and turn to him. And so the, the urgent plea from God's word this morning is this. Don't wait to repent. Don't put it off. Don't wait to turn from your sin, from your love of money, from the fleeting pleasures of whatever the sin may be, and to turn to Jesus. You see, living for the little G God of whatever that sin is, hear me, it will kill you. And worse, it will damn you eternally. Praise God that Jesus still died for us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 describes it. For our sake, He, God the Father, made Him, God the Son, Jesus Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. May we all ask God to search our hearts this morning and grant us repentance. No matter how far we've gone down the road of sin, it's not too far yet. If we're still breathing, if, if, if we're still alive today and Jesus hasn't yet come back, and in this moment both are true, then you can still turn from sin. You can, you can turn to Christ as your Savior in this moment for the first time today. If you're a child of God who's wondering, listen, you, you don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to be like the prodigal who's wandered far from home. You can come home to your father and, and, and you can do it today. No matter how far down that road you've run, Jesus' grace 
is more than sufficient to cleanse, redeem, heal, and reconcile us to God. Because even though apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we all have a price for which we'll betray Jesus, deny Jesus, whatever it may be, and yet Jesus still died to redeem all of us. All who will repent and turn to him. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for what you teach us through the tragedy of Judas. Lord, if we're honest, every one of us who names the name of Christ here today has on some occasion, in a moment, maybe only for a moment, but in a moment, turned our backs on you. We've been Judas, we've been Peter, we've either in action or in words, denied that we even knew you. We've been like the disciples and tucked tail and ran. Back into sin when it got hard to follow you. But how we praise your name that you went to the cross to give grace and forgiveness and redemption for even those our sins that we might be reconciled to you oh God I pray right now for any in the room who need join us by live stream as well who need to know you as Savior today for the first time God by your spirit draw them take out a heart of stone put in a heart of flesh oh God Give them the gift of faith to see the, the, the depth of their sin and the beauty of Jesus and the power of Christ to save. Thank you that Jesus was our substitute and that he lives today as our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for us, your people, that right now, today, in this moment, you would check our hearts by your Spirit and cleanse our hearts from the love of money in such a way that our lives are clearly, demonstrably, observably different than the world around us when it comes to things and money. We don't want money to kill us. We don't want money to rob you of the glory that only you deserve. Oh God, make our hearts to see the beauty of Jesus such that we cannot be satisfied with anything less than more of him. And God, we pray you would do it because you are worthy. You are worthy. Thank you for your grace that's there for the multitude of times that we bow and worship things. Power, control, money, whatever it is. 
But, oh, God, take our hearts and seal our hearts by your Spirit. Keep us. That our only true satisfaction will be found in you. We praise you and we thank you this morning for what you're going to do even in these moments. All on the basis of and in the power of what you've done for us in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand together as we worship. This altar is open for you to come and respond to the message. To God's word however you need to this morning. The doors of our church are open to receive members uh, any way we can. If you need to know Jesus today. If you need to meet him for the first time as your personal savior. I'll be right here at the front. Trey's right here at the front. Come and, and talk with us and let us, let us introduce you to Jesus. He loves you. He died for you.
Hasn't this been a wonderful service, everybody? Amen. Can I invite the Bradshaw family to come on down? And y'all can be seated. Yeah, y'all be seated. Y'all have stood long enough. Chase, turn around and face these people. They want to see your face. You got something to say this morning? I got saved. <laughs> and, and what else happened to you last week after church? I got baptized. He got baptized. And, and so first, amen, we want to present you with a Bible and a certificate. And uh, we also want to, what are y'all wanting to do with him this morning? You're wanting to join? We only do that in August <laughs> on, on leap years, so you're going to have to wait a little while. What's the pleasure of the church this morning to receive Chase Matthew Bradshaw as a member of East LJ? Do I hear a second? All in favor, say amen. 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 Chase, you're a member, I guess. Amen. Thank you, guys. You got anything else? Okay, we got another one coming up. So come on down here, Memphis. This is Memphis Ayers. He's named after the town. Okay, so, right? Yeah. What happened to you, Memphis? As a matter of fact, can you tell these people kind of what happened? I gave my life to Christ on two Wednesdays ago while um, we were at youth. And I just felt overwhelmed by the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And I prayed that prayer. Amen. And I think doing something special. Anna Waddell, will you come down here real quick? Anna's a part of this, whether she knew it or not. Or not. We had a big commissioning ceremony on a couple Wednesday nights ago. And... We, we went over, and the heat wasn't working good, and they're going to talk to you about that, I'm sure. But uh, we were all sweating and ready to go, and Anna comes up to me and says, Pastor Trey, we need to sing the song. We need to sing a song. And I said, oh, Anna, and just being, you know, the Baptist way, okay, let's do it. And so we went up there and started to sing Lead Me to the Cross, and I would have never thought about it, and it was during that moment, because of her obedience to Christ, as a student leader of East LJ Baptist Church, that Memphis got saved. Amen? Okay. Memphis, are you coming, and are you wanting to be baptized, too? Okay, so you, you, you're coming to join the church on profession of your faith? And promise of baptism. We're going to dunk you. Okay. I know, I know there's some more in here that are wanting to be baptized. And so next Sunday, be ready for that. Or the next one, or the next one, or the next one. We'll bring you up here. There's about, there's about 20 of them. Okay. So just prepare for that. But uh, what's the pleasure of the church to welcome Memphis Ayers as a member in full fellowship, I guess, as uh, East, East LJ? That sounds good to me. There's been a move made. Do I hear a second? And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Welcome to the family, brother. Thank you, Pastor Trey. Amen and amen. What a joy. And uh, just thankful to see God's work in uh, the lives of these two young men and, and others today. Amen? Amen. All right. Wonderful. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys all to join 
uh, me and Pastor Trey out at, at the back as you're leaving this morning. Several announcements before we dismiss. Uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, as always, cry out to Jesus' prayer service, so join your church family for prayer tonight. Also, there are journals on the back table, if you go out these middle uh, uh, double doors here, in the, in the hallway there, across the hall. Uh, journals for our retiring Sunday school teachers, please leave notes of love and encouragement to them for their decades, literally, of service and teaching the Word of God, and we will be presenting those to them in just a few weeks. Last week, we received a special offering for New Beginnings Transitional Housing Ministry. I, I mentioned then that um, the local thrift store, Faith Open Charity Thrift Store, has uh, promised a match to New Beginnings housing, uh, Transitional Housing Ministry, uh, up to $100,000. And so that means if, if they raise $100,000, Faith Open Charity will give them $100,000. We uh, had a part in that last week of $6,300, and so we praise God for allowing us to be part of, of that and expanding um, much-needed housing in our area. Also, immediately following this service, and, and when I say immediately, within five minutes, we will be moving into our monthly conference, and then immediately following conference, and I do mean immediately, within about three minutes, right here at the front of the sanctuary, we will have an International Learning Center staff meeting. So a couple back-to-back -back meetings right after this. Uh, both should go fairly quickly today. Looking at the same time as the International Learning Center, yes. we will have a chaperone for camps meeting uh, in the Eucharist. Okay. Conference, and then two meetings. International Learning Center, youth summer camp. Put on your calendars, homecoming. It'll be Sunday, August the 14th. It'll start at 10 o'clock in the morning with a memorial service at our cemetery and then potluck dinner on the grounds here after worship. The church will provide the meat, and we appreciate all that you're going to provide, all the tasty goodies uh, in addition to that, Sunday, August the 14th. As we close today, I've asked Sylvia Hamby and Sheila Miller to come and just share briefly about the International Learning Center. We do still have a need for a uh, teacher or two. Uh, as well as uh, some nursery workers. So, uh, Sylvia and Sheila, y'all come and share. And we've got a, uh, some pictures that Doug will scroll through um, there on the, on the screens for you. Thank you, ladies, for your service in the past. They have served uh, whenever we've done ILC, uh, both, both years that we've been, been doing that, looking to get that re revived and started back this fall. So thank you, ladies, for sharing. Thanks, Chad, for this time uh, to allow us to speak. I want to tell you, uh, recently when I was reading one of my morning devotions, I talked about um, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. And that is when Jesus uh, was talking to Peter. Uh, I think he had it was the third time that he was speaking with him. But this is a great opportunity for us through ILC to feed his sheep in our community. You know, we have a large, large Hispanic population, and a lot of those folks don't speak English. And this is a great opportunity for us to enable them uh, to do so. It's, it's a simple program. We furnish the curriculum. You simply follow that. We meet on Sunday evenings, at, uh, that's the way we have in the past, 
it's only about a three-hour commitment each week. You know, there's a lot of hours in a week. I don't even, I meant to count those up, but I forgot to do that this morning. But there's a lot of opportunity for us to witness to these folks. Um, imagine yourself being a parent and you can't help your child with homework. That's, that's pretty bad. Or you go shopping, grocery shopping, and you can't speak English and the clerk is asking you something. You don't know how to respond. Imagine how those folks feel. Imagine in the workplace, you're at work and someone asks you a question about your job and you can't answer them because you don't understand what they said. So put yourselves in this position and think about the opportunity that we have to help these people learn more, be able to speak, and be able to help their children, um, help their coworkers. Uh, you don't know where this might lead. We've had an opportunity to witness to these children and to the parents. The program is usually about two and a half hours on a Sunday evening. Um, with part of that time being here in the sanctuary where they learn a, a, a story, uh, Chad reads scripture to them. So we hope that this will lead them to come back. If they don't come back here, go somewhere to church or get to know Christ. In um, my class, I worked with this study buddies group, which is about, I think, kindergarten through sixth grade. These children are so eager to learn and do things. And we have, while the, the program is not all about witnessing to these folks, we can integrate that in. We have the opportunity to witness to them, to read them Bible st stories, and they're eager to learn all of that. Um, you know, my blessing with working with the program the last, I guess it was in 2019, the last time we got to work <laughs> because of another reason for COVID. Um, but the opportunity for me and my blessing was that I got to know these families. Uh, they were great folks. They were great people. They wanted to come. We didn't make them come. No one made them come. They wanted to learn English. These children wanted to come. They left playing outside or whatever they were involved in because they wanted to come. Study Buddies started out as being a way to help these children with their homework because their parents couldn't. Well, it developed into more of a Bible school situation or theme. We were able to do crafts. Cindy helped a lot. Um, Betsy helped a lot. I see uh, Ruthie over there. She's hiding. <laughs> but she helped a lot. But we really had a wonderful time with these children. They're such a blessing. The families that were involved were such a blessing. So if you want to learn and you want to work with these folks and feed the lambs, feed the sheep, and help them, this is a great opportunity to do so. And just like Chad mentioned, we'll have a meeting in just a few moments and think about it. It's just three, four hours a week out of your time. And it, it would be a great blessing to you and to our community also. Cynthia mentioned she was the study buddy. I was one of the teachers, the basic level teacher where they come in at entry level knowing little or next to nothing. Um, and you have to be careful um, with these people because they're adults. 
and they want to be treated like adults. But when you have an entry level with no English background, um, I've had to find ways that um, challenged me to teach their parents. But I had fun doing it. And I just recall, just in this instant, Becky, Betsy walking into my classroom, because we were laughing one night. I guess it must have been pretty loud. <laughs> and I don't even know what we were laughing about, but she wanted to come in and find out how much fun we were having and what we were laughing at. And I can remember the whole atmosphere of the room changed, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> they had no idea why she walked in. So you have to get to know them. You open yourself up to get to know a person or a people group that is not like you. But the rewards, Sylvia can attest to this, are outstanding. And you build friendships with them in a way that you wouldn't have at all, just seeing them on the street. And like Sylvia said, feed Yeshua's lambs. He's brought the international community to our doorsteps. And when you feed a lamb, you're going to do it voluntarily, as Jesus. You're going to do it willingly. You're going to serve willingly and in a loving way you'll have a deep concern for what Yeshua has deep concerns for, and that's reaching the lost. Sometimes these sheep, these sheep, listen to me, these sheep are gentle and kind. Sometimes they're others that don't follow so well. And we have to bring them back into the fold. But all of you in here that name the name of Christ, you're going to follow your leader. You know his voice. And you will follow willingly, lovingly, and you will want to do what he's calling you to do. And you know what? You don't lead from the pew. You don't lead from the back, the rear. Our, our leader is out in front of us, leading us. And that's what we're going to do when he brings these people into us. We're going to lead from the front. So, as Sylvia said, there are opportunities. And I pray and hope that you have heard this morning that we do need help. And Jesus may be calling you to be a helper, a server. Maybe not a teacher, but, you know, sometimes Sylvia and I have to take breaks. Sometimes we leave the city, and we just can't leave these people just sitting in a room by themselves. So we need helpers, people that will love others to Jesus. Because ILC is a mission field of this church Amen. to bring other people into the fold. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, ladies. We appreciate that and appreciate how uh, the Lord is continuing to use you all as well. I'm going to invite um, Memphis and Chase and their families to join uh, Trey and I out in the hallway. And I'm going to ask Pastor Joey Kraft to 
dismiss us in prayer. This is Cindy Addison's son, pastor from up in the D.C. area. Uh, would you please dismiss us in prayer, brother? We appreciate you being here. Good to see you and your family today.